Hello, welcome to the Here's Looking at You podcast. My name is Dr Ellen Wright. Welcome to the third Here's Looking at You podcast. This podcast is the second part of the panel discussion event on feminism and the politics of performance that was recorded at the Hebden Bridge Burlesque Festival. I'm Ellen Wright and I'm a lecturer in cinema and television history at De Montfort University and I specialise in historic media representations of sexuality and gender. Refresh your memory. The panelists taking part in this discussion are Dr. Claire Nally, senior lecturer in 20th century literature at Northumbria University and the editor of 21st Century Feminism Forming and Performing Femininity, Dr. Jackie Wilson, who's an academic fellow in performance and culture at the University of Leeds and the author of The Happy Stripper Pleasures and Politics of the New Burlesque, Heidi Bang Tidy, producer, performer, MC, confidence guru, and women's rights activist. Sadie Sinner, who's a producer, performer, MC and a POC activist. And Ruby Jones, who's a producer, performer, MC and a queer rights activist. Incidentally, before we get started, Ruby was kind enough to record another conversation with me, this time as a one-to-one, and we elaborate on a number of themes introduced in this podcast and the previous one. This is going to be released at some point in the not-too-distant future. Another upcoming podcast include a conversation with historian on disability at Kent University, Julie Anderson, and I've got other conversations pencilled in to take place with an array of other scholars, producers, MCs and burlesque and cabaret performers. So do please keep checking into my website regularly. You can sign up to the website to receive regular updates should you want to. And one final warning before we join the discussion. We do touch on a number of sensitive subjects in the course of our discussions and we do use some strong language. Anyway, it's probably time for us to rejoin our panel discussion. So here we go. So, my research that I have got downstairs in my little exhibition is on the Windmill Theatre, which was a very middle-brow theatre whose clientele were very middle-class. See where I'm going with this. Uh, So I'm also aware that some years ago, this very festival was accused of presenting middle-class strippers. So was it middle-class pole dancers? Oh, I'll get that right. Right, okay. So um, okay, middle-class pole dancers then. Really? Every last night was our arts council-funded middle-class pole dancers. So to what extent then do you think ideas of class, of worth, of value uh, and of propriety uh, shapes or informs or affects our understanding particularly of women's performing bodies? And I want to also expand that out maybe, not just women's performing bodies but women in public spaces, that idea of worth and how that permeates into our understandings of, of womanliness or maybe even extend that out further and maybe talk more generally about gender if you want to, that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. I think one of, the, one of the things for me, um, recently, Lady Gaga on tour, um, and a load of people waded in on Twitter to say they thought she looked fat. And I'm kind of like, 
Lady Gaga. I mean, you know, most of us can't look like Lady Gaga, so what the hell? But I think there's this this very strong sense of sort of women in the public eye of, of public ownership and that kind of like you're inviting that. And I don't think that's fair because of all the policing that is put in place in terms of burlesque, you know, don't just applaud my body, applaud these other factors as well. Um, that's just kind of my two pennies for, for that. But mm. I think it's I think it's it's really it's really problematic because we are still evaluated by um, certain criteria and it's and it's tall and it's leggy and it's slim and it's you know conventionally attractive. Um, very, very problematic. Mm. Mm. And there's also the idea of being a good girl, isn't there? And I think that's part of the middle class thing. And maybe, you know, if there are middle class dancers who want to go get, like, become bad girls, for, you know, and, and then maybe there's a kind of challenge to these kind of really debilitating social kind of um, values systems, mm. you know, like, um, you know, like to be feminine and to, and to actually lose those girlish freedoms that you had. Um, to become a woman is to sort of become passive and to become like you know lose your confidence and lose your sense of self you know assertion um, and therefore become a good girl. So maybe there's a you know a Lauren LeBlanc on her in I think her book sort of Pretty in Punk talks about that really nicely you know about this idea of you know you you know middle class if you've got to be a good girl therefore you've got to you know be polite and be passive and be quiet and maybe there's a sense of um, maybe with the kind of middle classness. Um, you know, um, girls trying to sort of think, you know, well, up yours. You know, I mean, I want to just be what I am rather than having to be a particular kind of construct of femininity. And, and, and I think there's a long legacy of that in subcultures more generally as mm. well. So, mm. yeah, very, very historically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's just dawned on me, and, and this is something I think about a lot. You know, we have such an amazing community where we have such incredible conversations. <laughs> But so many of the top performers in this country aren't part of them, don't go into them. Um, and why? Because they benefit by not. They, it challenges what they're doing too much, or I'm not sure. It's messy. It's messy, but um, there is a lot of snobbery in burlesque yeah. in that. Don't fucking talk to me about Swarovskis. <laughs> Do you know how expensive those are? You know, those are expensive. That's horrible to put that expectation on people. I call it the Dita effect. Um, and you know, I respect her for what she's done. And I saw her once in person and like in a restaurant, I was like, holy shit. Um, but um, I think the Dita effect, um, you know, is very exclusionary. Mm. And the idea of having to look a certain way obviously is exclusionary, but even coming down to, well, darling, you're not wearing such and such lingerie with yeah, stupid, yeah. specially cut glass on them. Like, what? You know, it's... Um, Do you sorry. think that part of that is also <coughs> kind of how something that was relatively underground has been commodified? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's definitely part of it. And all, but also I think it's like, but, you know, it's got Swarovski on it, like... It's got to be classy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of that weird thing of like, well, if it's expensive enough, it's fine. Mm -hmm. If it looks expensive enough, it's fine. Like, again, I don't know how much... Um, I haven't seen Dita's show. Um, so I don't know what you feel as a woman mm -hmm. watching her show. 
I don't know. I saw Dita in Paris in, you know, <laughs> in February, uh, last February, um, up with Tuxedo Passion, actually. Um, and we saw her at the Crazy Horse. Mm. And, uh, I mean, she's quite a, a creature to behold. Like, mm. she's a walking work of art. Mm. Her hair is fucking perfect. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is like, the lady with perfect No, hair. no, 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 crazy. But I don't have Beth and Jane Davis every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and she was, it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was exquisite. Yeah. And it was breathtaking. And it was all I hoped it would be as someone who has admired Dita's aesthetic for many, many years. Yeah. That said, yeah. performatively, yeah. The crazy horse girls blew yeah. her out the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously she puts bombs on seats. But, and, what, but what do you think about the media focusing in on her as mm. sort of, you know, a typical burlesque, you know? Because you know, obviously she's kind of white, she's kind of petite, got big boobs, mm. you know. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. but she becomes like uh, you know, like the media she's is saying this is yeah, do you know what's interesting? This is burlesque. It, what's really interesting is when you speak to people outside the industry and you tell them that you work in burlesque and they very often say, oh, like Dita Von Teese. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, well, no, actually, I wear high-vis and I dry hump a lolly stick. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, okay. <laughs> you know? So it, sometimes it's a, it's a nice in, do you yeah. know what I mean? To kind of like straight away, you can talk about the contrast in burlesque. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, there's but I don't think, like, the, that snobbery level, like, I don't think anyone, like, necessarily is like, and there's DMC. <laughs> but there is this whole thing of expectation. And I think people just need to look at that a little bit. Like, that's classes as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Just yes, yeah, you're exactly. right. Mm -hmm. It's many, it's, it's very privileged. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, if you want to work your tail off and have Swarovskis all over your costume, cool. Don't expect anyone else to do that. Like, yeah. don't have an expectation of you can only do this with this amount of money. Same. And also, sorry, I guess it's because I'm the youngest on the panel. I'm so used to being at school. Where I'm <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly um, polite. <laughs> yeah, let's um, let's fucking talk about it. Uh, in, um, it's not just being this idea that when you say burlesque, then you say Dita, and this idea of burlesque is the slender, the mm -hmm. this, the long. Um, where does that leave space for other? people this is why we have this problem this problem where people keep saying oh there are no performers of color um well I, if you were told well i, I want to be um I, I want to be a lollipop when i grow up like if that's what you're saying and it's like well yeah but lollipops don't look like you like lollipops don't come in your skin color mm -hmm. i mean i can't show you so many lollipops that are you know where does that leave space for for such a plethora mm. of artists beyond um, just it being classist. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we asking people's bodies to look like? What are we asking people's messages to be? Um, another reason why the Coco Butter Club works so well, and I know there are some people in this room who have seen it, is that um, it fucks with your expectation of what burlesque and what bodies should look like, right? And when we're doing the Coco Butter Club, it, uh, for the best way I can kind of say this, and I don't mind saying it because I'm a black person, is um, I need you to imagine Okay, at the Coco Butter Club, we don't clap like this. We clap like this, and oh my god, whoa, 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 whoa. it is completely a black or POC environment. Everything because we cannot anymore fit through this white filter. Yeah. Because otherwise, then you deny me my existence completely in this industry. 
Um, and because it was so hard getting an in, and I have so many producers saying, oh, there are no performers of colour, there are no performers of colour, to which I have always and always will take a personal offence, because I'm sorry, we all know that... There are. Well, yes, exactly. Full stop. Well, thank you for poking at that place, because I was going to say something else, so thank you. Lost <laughs> 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 me, a lot of friends in the room. Um, yes, and so I always ask people, what are you doing to make your show accessible for bodies that are not in the norm? What are you doing? Do you understand um, the considerations that a person of colour, mine, um, needs? Do you know what it's like to be in a room and be the only person of that race? Do you know, um, do you think about things like temperature? Temperature really helps my hair, like stay at a certain way. I mean, hello, look at it, where's my family from? We're coming out of Africa, the best uh, African-Americans have beautiful hair because of the heat. Little, little considerations, if you're gonna have a POC cast, don't just try and book 10 random people of color. Are we meant to know each other just because we're all people of colour? <laughs> like, something I really like is when people come to me and they say, can we book the Cocoa Butter Club in its entirety? Why? Because I vow to look after the emotional security of these people of colour, to look after their mental stability, to do what I can to ask that these things are met for us, that people recognise that there are different, different needs and I think we should also look at that when we are thinking about how open burlesque is to different classes. Um, Beatrix on Bourbon, before she left, wrote a big old Twitter piece saying, like, I'm really sorry, guys. Just to let you know, if you laugh at the newbies in their Primark underwear, you're basically a fucking asshole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we all start in the Primark underwear. We all start in the £14.95 eBay ordered corset. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's gonna... It's gonna <laughs> Yeah, I think we have to ask ourselves, um, are we opening the doors truly? And are we addressing needs which are more than our mm -hmm. own? And oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just con continuing mm -hmm. on with that, you know, there are not just two genders in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it's really think about that. Like, you just never know who you're alienating by being, ladies, hello. Yeah. yeah. Hey, ladies. You know, you just don't know. And so similarly, is there a toilet that's okay for all of your performers? Yes. Do they have a way to get home? Yes, if it's safely like... in taxis. It's what a lot of my um, trans performers have asked me. It's, yeah. Would you mind booking me a taxi? Yeah. And it's never been a problem because you understand it's a need. Yeah, exactly. And like, I guess I don't know that I need to say this, but I need to say it. Like, you cannot imagine the daily challenge of just being a person. So my partner, my partner's genderqueer. They don't just define as trans. But if they take too long in the bathroom, I'm afraid. I'm afraid and I have to go and see if they're okay. Or if someone's yelled at them in the bathroom again. Or if someone's made them go into the men's toilet. Or like, whatever. It's crazy. And it's constant. And so where are the trans people in our community? They come to our shows. They love them, put them on stage, yeah. Yeah. mentor them. Yeah. Like they can't afford to take lessons. You can afford to give them a lesson. Yeah. Like really, like, you know, we have a lot of things that we have to work on, but like it's such amazing community that we're actually, you know, having these conversations. Like I'm an actress, I'm in voiceovers. We're not having this fucking conversation there. Mm. Yeah. So we can change in small ways. So thinking about things like that, making sure everyone's safe, that includes your audience. Yeah. Making sure everyone does actually feel represented. Mm.
absolutely. I think the um, the ladies and gentlemen thing is so like yeah, yeah. fuck me just rolls off the tongue so easily yes. and um, and I try and pull myself up on it which is why I end up calling my audience cunts but <laughs> <laughs> I try to pull myself up on it all the time yeah. but it just rolls off your tongue yeah. so freely you condition like, it aren't you it's like it's a staple and, isn't it yeah. you know it just I say ladies and gentlemen, but I often say, like, ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between and beyond. I say, yeah. yeah. Mm. You know? Because, yeah. um, again, it's, you know, it's not mm. just ladies and gentlemen, you guys, you know? Yeah. Like, making people feel welcome and seen, even if they're not out, you know? Like, so many trans people don't live a life out. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, yeah. what does that mean? How can they be trans? How can it be? A, how can that person be a trans woman if they're dressed like a man every day? Because they're fucking terrified. Yeah. yeah, that's why. Um, just uh, you, uh, I, st I stole it from them. You are welcome to use it if you want. Um, yeah. Travis Alabanza is a trans femme um, poet that I had so much time for. They had been at the Cocoa Butter Club and um, they actually gave me part of the way I was speaking to the audience at Diversities, which was ladies and gentlemen, those in between, and those who are, let's be honest, intelligent enough to transcend the gender binary. <laughs> if you like, yeah. it's quite, it's lighthearted, um, but it's, it's cute, right? It's cute. It's cute. I don't feel like that Okay, um, so I'm going to ask one last question and then we'll throw open to the audience if that's okay. Now, Sadie, I know you've already brought up this sort of point related to, uh, to race and also there's been a couple of other points that have been raised linked around that. Uh, so, I'm, again, I'm returning to my research, uh, the windmill, very white space. To my knowledge, no performers <coughs> of colour there. It doesn't really surprise me in the slightest, to be uh -huh. honest. Uh, you know, the theatres opened 1932 to 1964. I think there are very particular ideas at that particular time around yeah. what constitutes attractiveness. So uh, obviously there's been debates around uh, sort of intersectionality and uh, so on and so forth in the last sort of couple of months, hasn't there been? Um, so I'm wondering if maybe we can talk about some more of those issues um, around um, that intersection of sort of, of women or what of gender, I guess, really, and and of, of race, and how that sort of uh, works its way through performance, and maybe again that idea of being in the public sphere, not just performers, but maybe actually just all of us out and about, and how that sort of works. Uh, does anyone have any points to raise on? Can that? I start on that one? Yeah, of course you can. Um, I think the most important thing to know, except especially to um, all of our white people in the audience, if you want to be very interested in, um, I, can't, you know, I can't just say white people because it's those who are on the first levels of the intersection, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, there is no amount of reading or studying you can do that will ever, ever give you the insight of the person who actually is that thing. Yeah. And this is a real thing for me because this is how, um, to air some dirty laundry in public, we had um, some very top names having a discussion um, on the old Facebook about race asking if the American songbook should be abandoned mm -hmm. because it was songs um, written by African Americans um, and then stolen. Um, the conversation started off really intellectual until it started to get uh, just a little bit silly as we were going down there. Um, and I noticed that not a single person of colour had said anything. Mm -hmm. And because we essentially had this pot of people who 
who considered themselves uh, very intellectual, um, they were thinking that they could have this conversation and only be their voices, and they were being so insightful. And someone even, oh, hi, Miss Jones, I just see that. Someone even commented, like, um, look at us having this very intellectual conversation. Do you know why they thought it was intellectual? Because it was a bunch of white people talking about black people until a black person came up. And I said there with my big, um, unapologetic voice, I said, you guys are having this low-key racist as fuck conversation, but you're so patting yourselves on the back about it mm -hmm. because you're only looking at, you are talking about me, my people, people of color as if we're a theory, as if you understand us by looking in your book going, oh yes, but if we do look at from this year to this year and people of color, blah, blah. So when I came along and said, guys, you can't have this discussion, um, they started saying silly things like, what, are we allowed to eat sushi these days? Like, what is, like what is that to do with anything? Um, but what I am saying, yes, is that when I came along with my actual voice and tried to say why this discussion was wrong and um, what my thoughts were on this, if they cared about my two cents, it wasn't taken so well. Mm. Um, and how does that make sense? How can you be going to... How can you think that as much as you can read it, that you would know more than the actual person? So I think, again, um, it comes down to listening. Um, but I mean listening wholeheartedly, listening and unlearning, unlearning what you know. I always say to my white peers, you need to come down a few fucking notches. Like you need to come down some. You need to, let's put it in this comical way, you need to stop thinking Jesus was white. You need to, you know, like these things, you need to stop thinking um, money equals power. You need to, all these constructs which we know were put into place by, um, white people so um, and also stop assuming you're not racist you yes yes are. because you were born you racist you just need to figure out yeah. where you where what it is where it still lies what unpicking you need to do start with the fact that you are a racist yeah. and work your way down exactly because that i am and even people um the cocoa butter cup is actually a bit of a byproduct of um this one producing um like massive all black cast show which went down controversial as fuck because they are a white producer um but and i don't think people understand in the process that actually you did listen to our needs it wasn't you hiring people um you but get, i also you called it black exploitation for a few reasons, but one, because I was like, I'm a white producer making a show of all black performers and I'm not gonna just be like, it's the Jet Review or like whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know? I was like, I'm gonna fucking open up to the fact that this is a conversation that's yeah. gonna happen, so I'm just gonna call the show that. Do you know what I thought was really interesting the night that I kind of noticed and was like, oh, and I caught myself noticing it and did a little bit of self-congratulation. And then was like, for fuck's sake. I did you enjoy that yourself. cookie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> such a twat. Was um, uh, a diversity the other night when you introed Riri Caboose. And I was like, I was like, in the wings, I was like, I was like, in the audience, I was like, this is the first time this has happened at the festival. A black person introduced a black person. Yeah. Like, we haven't, we haven't had that. We haven't had, like, and this hasn't been intentional, but I noticed it, and then was like, thank God. Like, but also clocked it, and like, we need to make sure this happens again. And we have done, I say we, it has happened in the past where, when you're trying to program diversity, diversity, whatever, whatever, you're trying to be diverse in your programming, you're like, okay, so, queer, tick, black, tick, 
other person of colour, tick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, and you're kind of like, and, then, and what happens is that you have got diversity, but you only have one black person, you only have one queer person, you only, you know, so yeah. I could, like, the other night, and I was like, oh, okay, that's, so that's interesting, so say you just brought out Riri, and that's the first time that's ever happened at this festival, mm-hmm. and good, and I'm pleased, but fuck, we're five yeah. years old, and that's the first time that's happened, and we're trying to programme with diversity in mind. So if we're trying to do that, and we've only just done that, and kind of almost accidentally, yeah. do you know what I mean? Then that, that, says, that says a lot. I can't tell you um, the joy that, that is behind producing the Cocoa Butter Club, because um, when you're backstage, you stand there and you go, oh, fuck, we're all people of color. Even Cece Sinclair did this. She stood in the room and she was like, fuck. We're all POC, the whole cast. The things we talk about that we just can't talk about when we're the only token POC in the corner mm-hmm. getting changed, you know? I'm like, girl, come here. Let me put your hair in a cane roll quickly so you can put that wig on. Like, okay. these things that we can just drop mm-hmm. and just be and just say something like, oh, my knees are ashy as fuck. You've got some... <laughs> like, these seem like stereotypical things, but, oh, my gosh, when you were in a room of people that you know are so alike. I mean, we're all alike here now that we are in this room, we all want to have this discussion, but I cannot tell you how much I fear for my, I fear how people understand me. If I get booked, I was scared to come and host diversities because I thought to myself like, oh fuck, you know, you can't, don't be too black, whatever you do, <laughs> you know, like, what is that? How can I live my life dialing myself down and that's why when I post those ranty if you have had me on Facebook I do post these ranty things being like white people I need you to understand your black performer friends are already or your POC performer friends are already silencing themselves slightly there are things we're not saying in a situation there are things that one of you might say that is quite you know your fave is problematic and I'm just sitting here going great you know Mm or um you're telling me about something you do which is just these should be basic things there is no cookie and after the whole um that whole facebook interaction i actually gave up my white cookies i don't give them out anymore for people who treat um, me or my poc peers as decent human beings i don't think that they should be congratulated for that mm-hmm. um i think yeah. we should just go no mm-hmm. not being a twat yes exactly <laughs> yes, 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 yes. can i ask you you know within it's a black performer do you you know you obviously you have this idea of um being um a, uh, objectified in terms of a woman, but you mm. also have this idea of being exotic yes. as a black woman, you know, like othered in in, ver- in many different ways, right? How do you how do you deal with that? Because I know that, for instance, sort of early burlesque, you know, these kind of birds of paradise, or even in musical, yeah. they, they 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 figured a lot of people, you know, like coming in from mm-hmm. Europe or from around the world, and there was this, a critique of that, you know, the, of this idea of the imperial gaze, right? They were allowed mm-hmm. in to dance, but it's because they were like sexualized as this, this kind of other, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of, So you were talking about Josephine Baker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do you deal with that? Do you know, do you, how do you kind of, do you, do you deal with that sort of within your performance, this idea of all Yes, oh my goodness, so much. Um, I am so fortunate to be the woman that I am because um, I call people out straight away. I can, I can see that shaking old white man in the corner who's really happy that all oh, this juicy black girl's about to come up to him. Yeah, like, I okay. see it, I read it, I know it uh, like a mile off because I've known that look my whole life. Um, so I do sometimes when I go up to them, I'm like, well, I give this look to everyone. It's not just you, like you're not special. And then I'll just walk <laughs> off. Yeah. It's, um, it's, um, 
It is breaking the breaking the supremacy. Yeah. And that's what I meant earlier when I said you need to get rid of the idea that Jesus is white, the idea that this is this, this is this. Yeah. Because I'm doing my best, and I know lots of other performers of colour, and there are lots of other great allies, not handing out cookies, but they know who they are, who are doing this, which means we will meet in the middle, but only if people do come down some notch and lose the supremacy, lose the idea that... Um, Yes, yeah, yeah, lose the, the notion of being above, mm -hmm. I would say, so that, yeah, this thing is beneath, this thing is so other and so curious and, ooh, 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 and what's that? And drop the, I'm not racist, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and like, like you were saying, the whole, the, have you, you, you've read that article, that I racist article, have you read that? Yes, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Which I send to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone, yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of like, I mean, it's really challenging, like really challenging, but I think, you know, I think if you're, if you're not honest with where you're coming from as a person, if you're not honest with where you're coming from as a white person, as a white, straight woman, and mm -hmm. um, if you're not willing to say that by definition, that makes me a bit racist mm -hmm. and a bit homophobic, you kind of, you're lying to yourself and everyone else from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did a show, one of the last Save Ruby Jones I did in London was the theme was Showgirl with three R's, like, uh, and it was all about, is, is burlesque feminist? <laughs> and I kind of, um, set my audience up for a bit of a lesson, basically. Because um, I, I cast this show with everyone within my own intersection. Um, and then I was like, yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about burlesque and feminism. And like, yeah, isn't this cool? Like, isn't this show so feminist? I was like, is this show feminist? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, because right now it's not. Like, this show's cool, but actually, this show is just re representing a very small sliver of the world. And so, therefore, it is an intersection of feminism. So I made them say, is this, I go, is this show feminist? And they go, yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably a good note to end the, the discussion amongst ourselves on then, and maybe we can open this up to our audience if that's okay with you guys. So is there anybody in the room who would like to ask a question? Straight away, that hand was up over there. Bear with me a second. What I'm going to do is, if I can give you that, Phil, if that's okay, and if you can just stand at the end of the, the room. Okay. So if you can give your name, please, if that's okay, and then uh, your question. Hi, thanks. Um, can you all hear me? Yep. Thanks very much for that. That was really interesting. Uh, my name's Kate and I'm a sex historian. I do a lot of work with sex workers and sex worker rights activists. And one of the major concerns is something that's um, referred to as hierarchy, which is where the burlesque dancers can look down on the strippers, the strippers yeah. look down on the cam girls, the yeah. cam girls, and everybody looks down on the street sex workers. Yeah. And I'm kind of... I, not, I'm not saying that, that you've been doing it, but I hear it from other burlesque performers. It's this, we're not strippers. Yeah. We're yeah. not strippers. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts about that, about this othering yourself against strippers rather than embracing them as part of the same narrative does. And if you're a burlesque dancer, do you identify as a sex worker? That's a, we, there was recently a few really intense conversations about, um, yeah, do, do burlesque performers identify as sex workers? And a lot of 
um, performers who were also sex workers kind of said, no, you're doing that kind of thing. Like of, yes, you can be an ally and you can appreciate, but like the, the kind of general response, I'm not a sex worker. So the general response from sex workers who are also burlesque performers yeah. was kind of like, thank you so much for this conversation, but fuck you a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and I don't know, I think I, again, this is where to me right away, I was like, that's where the compare comes in. Because again, the compare could say one thing and it will trigger the whole audience. It will plant a little seed with the performers. Yeah. You know, like, they're all, it is kind of a, because it all comes down to who do women's bodies belong to, certainly not themselves. <laughs> um, and and the, also, yeah, like, um, slut shaming and the, the shaming of female sexuality because it's so powerfully potent. People just can't even imagine a world where women were fully autonomous within their own sexuality. Um, but I don't know, it's such, such, I don't consider myself a sex worker, but I do consider myself a sex, posi a sex worker positive feminist, a sex positive feminist, a trans positive feminist some, in that way. Someone said, um, when there was that discussion, um, that no, you're not sex workers, you're sexy workers. Yeah. I know it's like a middle yeah. <laughs> uh, thing, but it's, um, and I think that that's probably quite correct. Um, is in I think it would almost be an injustice to take yeah from what sex workers actually have to do um, as in all the things that come with being a sex worker mm -hmm. it would not be fair for I mean if you want you could use it in a different thing of thinking like cultural appropriation as in yeah, it would yeah. be like dressing up as for the day but you get to go home you get to take off the idea of whereas sex workers are yeah, sex workers, whereas we get to, you know, oh, hello, but I get to draw the line where, yes, it's a different... Well, the fact that the, the, the insult that was thrown at the festival was that we were middle-class pole dancers, that the worst kind of insult you could pay a burlesque performer would be to suggest mm. that she was a stripper or a sex worker, mm -hmm. you know, that it, and that, that not just that, but she wasn't clever and she wasn't, like, that she was working class mm -hmm. and that she was some kind of dirty strip club worker, you know, like, mm -hmm. when people... I'm sh you'll have had this, I'm sure. Like when, like people who from outside the industry sometimes, and you'll say blah 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 bur burlesque, and they'll say something like, "Oh yes, but burlesque is an art form, and you're classy. You're not a stripper." <laughs> and I'll be like, "No, I'm a stripper." Yeah. You know, people pay a ticket price. Fair enough, the mechanics are different, the model is different, but people pay money to see me take my clothes off. I'm a stripper. Yeah. But but there's a different context. I'm not. And, and the reason I say I'm not a sex worker is not because I would not want to, not because I consider there's any shame in being a sex worker, but I think as a burlesque performer, if you, if you went around saying I'm a sex worker, you're discrediting the work that those, that those people do in that industry, and you're also not acknowledging that they don't have the safety that we have. Yes. We have the, you know, people, fuck's sake, you can book on ticket source for a burlesque event. Yeah. Yeah. You can't book on ticket source to see a hooker. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's a totally different deal and it's not it's not respectful and but equally I I hate it. I hate it when burlesque performers say we're classy, we're not strippers. Mm. I fucking hate it. It's yeah. one it's one of my bugbears. I just think that there's um I don't know whether there's there's not a hierarchy, there's just just t different histories. Yeah. You know, mm. and um, you know, like burlesque. Um, it's not the, 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 yeah, no, it's not. It's, no, no, no. Now, what I mean is, is that the audiences for a burlesque show are mixed. You know, mm. but the kind of traditionally, historically, a, a strip club 
is not going to you're not going to go as, as couples and or as um, you know like a hen. I don't know. I know lots of couples that go to strip clubs. So yeah, historically, no, but historically, yeah. historically, yeah, but historically, burlesque audiences were men. In the 50s, yeah. like burlesque performers were women who came out and took their clothes off in the middle of variety shows just to fill because they didn't want mm. to have to pay a, a, an MC. So they literally sent the magician's assistant out in a sparkly frock and said, take it off, love. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they were middle class environments um, where, which were mixed. I and mean, I think that this is the thing with it was, you know, it was a kind of, um, it's not almost like a family entertainment where, where you had these kind of burlesque dancers as part of the kind of uh, acts. But it was a it was a different kind of environment, you know. It was a it, maybe like you said about the what you were talking about, you know, the windmill. In that it was perhaps trying to be more wholesome, if you like. And, it, it, and I think that they. It's they're, not necessarily about the content. It's maybe about the framing. That's right. Well, about the discussion, that's right. The, the linguistics surrounding. Yes. It. Yeah. And so I think you know that um, you know that there has been different kind of trajectories, if you like, on in terms of burlesque houses and what they were and what you know and strip clubs. So I'm sorry, I do feel like that there is a slightly different, you know, in terms of the audiences and the context and the kind of, you're not going to have the likes of you up there, sort of feminism, at a, something that's just a sort of... But there are lots of, I mean, it's a different context, but there are lots of burlesque performers who also work as strippers. Um, And, you know, and like I know we've talked about her a lot, but Dita started in strip clubs, that's how she started. And, like, she started doing, like, the really exotic, highly kind of glamorous, you know, she, that was her, that was her feature mm-hmm. performance, you know, she was doing that in traditional strip, strip clubs and then found another way, mm-hmm. but interestingly, found a way to do it and get paid a fuck ton more money. So maybe, they're, maybe therefore then, sort of like, what, what it's about is, is, is not acknowledging where agency and where exploitation is, wherever you sit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's that idea of being able to, to um, negotiate that line on, okay, where, you know, when have we got agency and when do we lose it, you know, in whatever industry, maybe. It, and, you you know. can, and you can't necessarily assume that someone who works in a strip club is being exploited. By the same yeah. token, you can't assume that someone who works in burlesque is not being exploited. Because yeah. actually, yeah. I have been in burlesque shows <laughs> where it felt like mm, yeah. how you would imagine it might feel in a strip club. Mm-hmm. Strip club, And I've been in a strip club mm. when it felt like how it should feel in a burlesque club. So yeah. Yeah. it's, you know, mm. very often the performances are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Well, not very often, but mm-hmm. sometimes. You know. It's a really important conversation to have, though, because I yeah. do think that there, there's many women in our, many people in our industry who are sex workers who are not out yeah. because they yeah. don't feel accepted by their community and just because someone takes their clothes off for money does not mean that they have any relationship with their own sexuality either. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an illusion. And yeah. that could be down to every element of it. You know, I'm not saying they're not doing it because they want to. But I'm saying don't think that person's like a five-star, like, sex educator as well or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be a person who still doesn't know how to have an orgasm on their own mm-hmm. easily. And they could be one of the top spangliest, swishiest burlesque performers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sadie, you put your hand up. Do you, yeah. do you want to raise a, a question yeah. to the, the panel? Yes. I'm Sadie, or Freddie Nettles. Um, and I just wanted to say it's been amazing, really interesting discussion. Um, and it's really nice to kind of sit around and kind of be all intellectual, talk about diversity and all those things. But as a producer, I've just started producing a show in London now. Um, all of these things are always on my mind when I'm producing now um, but what do we do going forward and like making sure that all the producers that don't think about those things like there's most of them don't what do you all think is your like best people you could ask really I think like how do we how do we make it so that people are interested and 
want to make their castes diverse. Like, stop where do we go from here? <laughs> stop, stop working for them. And stop being is, nice. No, yeah, it's the easiest thing. Is it the easiest thing now if you've got bills to pay? Um, what is it? Well, no, you're yeah. right on that one. I don't pay my own bills. <laughs> <laughs> There's about a hundred ladies who a year ago loved me, but because I don't like their friend who made a rape joke, or I don't like this, or I don't like whatever, they don't like me anymore. Yeah. It's like, if you don't like me because I'm gonna like speak about addressing people's safety, well, we probably weren't gonna be great friends anyway. But I think it's very important, like, guess what? You're gonna have to get in it with people you like. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They might not like you after. Mm -hmm. They'll figure it out eventually, they'll come around, it's fine. But in some ways, you just have to be more fierce. We all have to. Because yeah. Sadie's exhausted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Completely. Um, I, uh, I've been thrown out of a venue by a producer after I called them out for low-key racism behavior, where they told a performer of color that their hair wasn't good enough um, to be doing, that it wasn't correct for the style of burlesque they were doing, um, and yet they hired white performers wearing afros, and that's a massive double standard. You must understand the weight of, by the way, thank you to everyone who said my hair is fantastic. What I need you to understand is there's a relationship between people of color and their hair. You see, so uh, little things, just being more considerate. Can um, I yeah. ask you? Yeah, because I only relatively recently, in conversation with one of my students, um, and I was horrified, um, realised that people want to touch your hair. Well, yes, all the time. And, it, and if you say no, which you are perfectly entitled to do, people also assume that you're being a bit arsy about it. Yes. That's and they all touch you. It's like, such a nonsense and it's exoticizing you even though yeah. people sort of assume that they're complimenting you. It's not a compliment. Yeah. It's making you kind of exotic and unless you're doing that to yourself it's really mm -hmm. so yeah hair is a big thing in in african yes <laughs> exactly um but i didn't want to go too far but i, I am exhausted get dirty <laughs> get dirty have we, people block yeah. you yeah. you know ha have people not want to work with you i couldn't be prouder to be known for the things i'm known for um and there are a bunch of people who don't want to work with me fuck them yeah. i know yeah. what my alignment is i know who i align myself with um, and why wouldn't there want to be in a world of people who do embrace otherness, who would want to be on that other side? And if it seems really lovely, it's only lovely for now. The world is going in one direction, Frida Nipples. Like, it's going in one direction. And those people who, don't, who aren't on the right side of history, they're going to fall off. Mm -hmm. They're going to fall off and they're going to fall fast. And people won't want to work with it. It will reveal itself. And it, yeah. won't, be, it won't be the end of the world if we have a mini revolution in Burlesque yeah. where we change yeah. some of the shit. Yeah. Yes. I mean? yes. so that wouldn't be the end of the world. And it's actually possible within Burlesque. Like, I can't change the world, but I really feel like I can change this one. Yeah. Yeah. Can I cut in? Is that all right? Well, you wanted to was, raise a yeah, point in relation. It wasn't the question, yeah. Yeah, feel free to, if you want to. I feel like, so the question was more kind of what can producers yeah, do. Yeah, it's more, but, it was, okay. Well, I was thinking, you know, we the I'm audience. I'm mentoring, we have, like, we I put a lot of my own time and energy into taking... Oh, sorry. So, yeah, no, I was just saying, like, we, we as the audience have a lot of power with yeah, that. Like, yeah. if we ever go to a show and we notice, you know, there wasn't something that was dealing with any of these issues, it was just, oh, it was all kind of show girly and... It didn't really, you know, put it pulled all its punches. It didn't challenge. Yeah. You know, we we go to those producers, put those shows on, and say afterwards, you know, yeah, I really enjoyed your show. It was good. It was a nice evening. But 
maybe you should think about putting something more edgy on something that kind of yeah that does you've got a lot of power I think you've got a lot of power as audience that's what I personally enjoy that's what I've loved about this weekend it's been you know every night it's been something which has challenged me and made me think and I've loved it it's been brilliant um, if I went to a show now that didn't have that, I'd feel so disappointed. Yes, yes well done. That's what we're trying to do. You will never be satisfied. Yes, you will never be satisfied if it. But a producer would love to hear that feedback. You know, as Thank again, you. Saying, you know, saying it in a great way of like, I normally love your shows, or I love burlesque, and I was disappointed because I love your show to not see representation of other individuals. Everyone there was amazing. Again, thank you so much. However, in the future, wouldn't it be fabulous to see someone like this or that or this? And it's not, like, you are completely and utterly within your rights and should challenge producers. If you go to a whitewashed show, you should be asking that producer why there wasn't a person of colour on that bill. If you go to a show where it's very clearly, and this is harder to judge, but generally speaking, uh, young, white, pretty, straight women, ask them why they're not booking queer performers. Ask them why they're not booking shouty performers. Mm -hmm. Ask them why they've got a male MC who talks about fucking the women. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, ask those questions. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, you have power. Burlesque audiences have a huge amount of power. Yeah. Not least because during the show, like, one of the very few kind of entertainment domains where you're allowed to like shout and make a noise and you know you're given a voice use it out of the theatres as well as in the theatre definitely mm -hmm. definitely and you also buy the tickets so I can say you also buy the tickets mm -hmm. and um proof is in the pudding because right now there's a certain something that's struggling a lot because people don't want to see what they're offering mm -hmm. full stop because they're not listening to the makeup of our wonderful country and they're not seeing what people actually want and they have an idea um, they're not seeing how this beautiful performance art can service our community as well. The things it can teach us, like those who attended diversities. I know so many of you have given me great feedback saying that you learned something, you felt punched in the gut. Um, make, it, make it count. Yes, so you have the right, you do it, and thank you because you are the reason that this burlesque festival is thriving and the other one is mm -hmm. And we've got time for one more question, if that's okay. And I know you put your hand up, so yeah. if you'd like to... So I was just going to continue with the whole audience, the power of the audience. You know, burlesque is, is unique in its live entertainment because the funding comes directly from the audience. Mm -hmm. Hebden Bridge Burlesque Festival is lucky enough to get Arts Council funding. There are no other shows that get any funding or any support apart from the audience. And so you do have power. There's an immense power. If you don't come to the show, the show will not survive. Mm, that's true. And mm. so that's where, that is actually where the power lies. And you know, if you say you don't like something, that it will, it will impact. It will impact the producer and it will, you know, they will, it will change things. So that's... Less of a question, more yeah. <laughs> Any final points from our panel, though? Any last bit you want to say? In that case, then, I wonder if you could maybe join me in giving a round of applause to these rather <laughs> So that was
that was our second and final part of the panel discussion event from the Hebden Bridge Burlesque Festival. As you could hear then, we were discussing very much issues around the intersection of class and race alongside gender. Again, really interesting stuff about the idea of policing bodies, which is something I'm, I'm particularly interested with anyway. The idea is to value judgments and snobbery uh, around women's behaviour and women in the public sphere. Jack introduced that idea of being a good girl and that very much made me think of work on respectability which I find really really interesting Uh, being respected within your community being respectable attaining respectability particularly the work of somebody like Beverly Skeggs who uses Bourdieu's notion of cultural distinction to discuss working class women's experiences of trying to sort of ascend the social ladder and it's interesting to see that there's elements of that sort of stuff going on within burlesque jackie also mentioned i think it's in the first podcast actually the idea of body bodies as well linked i guess to back teens theory around the idea of the carnivalesque which if you're interested in that and you've got a media studies bent like i have then i would heartily recommend somebody like kathleen rowe's work on the unruly woman uh, and I thought here a lot of that sort of stuff about the carnivalesque bo- the carnivalesque body, the body body, was really coming through problematic bodies, and the way that they are treated, and the way that they manage to break through and, and cause all manner of sort of chaos through their otherness, and that's you know sort of being discussed as a as a celebratory thing, a, a really positive thing within the context of this discussion. Yeah, what else? Um, we talked a bit as well about gender fluidity, didn't we? And uh, the way that audiences were addressed. And I know we discussed this in the first podcast as well, the idea of the importance of the MC. The The discussion then moved on to the way that MCs talk to audiences and talk about performers, which was fascinating. Uh, I believe uh, Heidi very eloquently put it about the idea of the MC saying he wants to fuck the performers. Um sort of going on my own experience as someone who's been to an awful lot of shows over the last 10 15 years that does occur um but yeah um i did mention the idea of uh, ladies and gentlemen and how that just rolls off the tongue and again i think i mentioned in the first podcast how i struggled to keep my mouth shut whilst people were raising points because they were raising points that really really spoke to me and again here Heidi talked about, I think she said that she calls her audience cunts and having sat in Heidi's audiences for some time now, she really does. <laughs> and, it, and it just made me think about a moment of clarity. It'll be a year ago, just over a year ago now, I'm ashamed to say. You know, I thought I was quite inclusive. Uh, I'd like to think I, I was and I'd like to think my shows are inclusive. But I was invited to host an event in a gay venue that was a means of raising funds for gay pride, for a particular gay pride. Uh, I was invited, like I say, to this venue to host a show. And I hosted the show and I stood out on the stage. And as I stepped out onto the stage and I'm there with my microphone and the adrenaline is surging through me, I reach into my toolbox of things that I say to audiences. And the first thing I said as I stood out on the stage looking out at that diverse audience was, ladies and gentlemen. And then in that second, it dawned on me. What a twat I was being. Um, that this group of people had invited me into their space and they had assumed I was an ally. We were talk- we've talked about this idea of allies. They assumed I was an ally 
and in their own space I was excluding an entire segment of that community. So very, very quickly I had on the end of there and everybody in between because it was the best I could come up with at that moment in time. And I was thoroughly ashamed of myself. And it was that moment of clarity. And ever since then I've realised that you, you, can't, you can't use that mode of address. And as a result, mine, uh, was to, uh, as, as my sort of reaction was a very similar one to that of as Heidi. Um, you know, she says her audience are cunts. Um, my audience, I refer to as a set of fabulous bastards. And that always seems to go down quite well. Even with the best of intention, uh, um, and I guess this is something that Sadie's very much talking about, that idea of you might have the best of intentions, but take it down a notch or two, I guess. And I've got to just keep doing that and keep trying to learn and keep trying to listen, which is very much one of the intents of this podcast, is listening and learning. My assumption that I'm trying my very hardest, therefore I must not be offending people. And that's obviously clearly not the case. Um, so, yeah, I found this discussion really, really interesting. Uh, Sadie's discussions about low-key and high-key racism were really, really interesting and deeply uncomfortable listening as well. And in the very best way, I mean that in the very, very best way. Um, if you're interested, the article that Heidi refers to, the I Racist article, is an article that's written for the Huffington Post by John Meta. And it's available, you type, you type it into Google, iRacist article, and it'll pop up there for you. It's a really challenging read, but it's a really interesting read. I'd heartily recommend it if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, other stuff as well. That idea of the horrorarchy. Wow, that's, that's a cracking term. I really like that and really fascinating. And I think, realistically, actually, it's something that I need to unpack an awful lot more and take this more into the realms of the sex industry and women's place within the sex industry and that hierarchy that operates within the sex industry and again that idea of respectability which I'm so fascinated with anyway in relation to sort of showgirls and models uh, actually maybe take that further down the line and into the sex industry itself I think probably needs to be discussed in a lot more detail So there we go. Okay. Um, thank you very much for joining me for the podcast. I have a number of really exciting podcasts lined up in the not too distant future. Some of which inspired by the discussions that we've we had at Hebden Bridge. I've subsequently got in touch with a number of people who I think could offer some really useful perspectives on some of the ideas that we discussed on the panel so do please bear with me for subsequent podcasts i'm really hoping that we're gonna have some really cracking conversations coming up i'm really really excited about various bookings i have over the summer with a number of practitioners performers scholars historians to try and lend a little bit more light on some of these ideas like I say, anyway, if you have any comments to make, as per usual, feel free to drop me an email, ellen.right at dmu.ac.uk, or alternatively, here's looking at usite.wordpress.com is my website, and you can leave comments on there as well. I'm also on social media as well. You can give me a tweet if you want. I'm Dr. Smut. Feel free to drop me a line. That's perfectly fine. 
So I just want to say a couple of thank yous before I disappear off, uh, namely to Phil Smith for tech support on my podcast and on my website, to the panellists at the event and to the audience for all being great. Thanks very much Hebden Bridge Burlesque Festival for having me, Heidi Bang Tidy and Lady Wildflower, to DMU Engage for giving me a small pot of money with which I put the public engagement events together, and finally to the Shannon Riley Trio, whose song Trouble is the intro music to this podcast. You can check them out online. It's the Shannon Riley Trio. So there we go. I will disappear off then. Thanks very much. Take care. Here's looking at you. <laughs>